0: Hi, this is Skip Lackey, and I was in the 1985 horror comedy film Once Bitten, and this is Chris and Scott with the Vampire Movie Minute podcast. Enjoy. He has walked through centuries, untouched by time.
1: He has seen empires rise and fall. He possesses the wisdom of the ages. throughout eternity. No man has ever provoked such
0: terrible fear and such haunting desire. Dracula, starring Frank Langella. With Laurence Olivier. I
1: am the last of my kind, descended from a conquering race. But I must warn you to take good care. If at any time my company does not please you, you will have only yourself to blame.
0: Oh, God! That's my poor home! Dracula.
1: The story of the greatest lover who ever lived. Died. And lived again. Dracula.
0: Welcome to a new exciting episode of the Vampire Movie Minute Podcast, a podcast dedicated to any and all vampire movies, not covered by other movie by minute podcasts. And tonight we are diving back. Further in time than we've ever gone before to 1978, 79, when the film was released with Dracula, which was the film that was supposed to put a more um, mature and serious tone on the count after it had been kind of taken for laughs uh, recently, especially in a film like uh, Dracula Dead and Loving It, or not Dracula Dead and Loving It, Love It First Bite.
1: Yeah, there had been a number of uh, more campy takes on Dracula, so this was an attempt to make it more serious.
0: Yeah, uh, before this was also uh, the Satanic Rites of Dracula and Dracula versus Frankenstein and Dracula on Sesame Street, you know, the Count von Count. (laughs) So a lot of Of uh, tongue-in-cheek humorous versions of Dracula, but this one uh, would star, um, still alive with us today, Frank Langella, best known for God, I don't really know what Franklin Jell was known for prior to Dracula, but his career Uh, goes back to 1965.
1: Yeah, he's a very famous uh, stage actor, so he's actually won four Tonys, so yeah.
0: Did Uh, did you know he was uh, Zorro once?
1: Yeah, yeah. He's he has a pretty extensive career. Uh, He's mostly, since Dracula, he's mostly made his... Um, he's mostly made his bones as kind of like a character actor and, um, he got nominated for an Oscar, uh, an Oscar for a role that he had played in the stage production of frost slash Nixon, uh, where he played Nixon. <laughs> so he's done that. And, uh, yeah. And then, uh, cult movie fans probably know that he is also Skeletor in masters of the universe.
0: A movie that I said, I want to do on the movie by minute podcast format, just because of how awesome his portrayal in it is.
1: Yeah, he went um, all in on that and uh, even learned uh, swordsmanship for it. So, yeah.
0: I didn't know that he was also on Deep Space Nine. He was uh, Minister Jaro.
1: Yeah, that's that's what I mean by like, when he's a character actor. He's just a guy you can kind of just slot into stuff. Um, not always a starring role, but he was always a good like background character.
0: Um, he's going to be in something called Angry Neighbors coming up soon. Or, I'm not sure what that is. The Trial of Chicago 7. He was the judge in that movie. Yes, um, I
1: remember that. Yeah.
0: And he was Richard Nixon and Frost Nixon. And then, of course, uh, Robert and Frank was also a big movie for him recently. Uh, yeah, well, Ro- recently 10. OK, 10 years ago. <laughs> <I mean recently. laughs> that movie is 10 years old. Can you believe that?
1: Yeah, it's 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 kind of crazy. Yeah, his biggest his biggest, honestly, his biggest stretch of films um, was all in like the late, uh, late 2000s, early 2010s. And you yeah. he, he just kept getting, you know, either villain or um you know, other kinds other kinds of roles. So
0: he, he was Perry White in Superman Returns. That's right. Yeah, he was. The Tale of Despero, the little mouse movie. He was the mayor.
1: <laughs> there you go. Uh,
0: good stuff. Good actor. Again, he you're right, he is a character actor, but he is definitely he's definitely an A-list actor, I think.
1: Yeah, he's a name if you get in the in into your production. It's a it's a it's a get.
0: Yeah. Um the fact that the masses of the universe documentary people were able to get him was They said pretty big. I mean, that was a really big gap. But he wanted he 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 always says to this very day on the actor's couch and in that documentary, the masses the universe story of He-Man, what is his favorite role to play? And he will always say that it was Skeletor, (laughs) which is funny to think about. But yeah, he did it for his kids too, because his kids were into He-Man.
1: Yeah, it's kind of the antithesis of the Bob Hoskins like approach to playing Mario. (laughs)
0: Right, but whereas, like, but let's face it, uh, so I, I would take Langella's Skeletor over Hoskins' Mario Mario any day. Oh yeah, absolutely. I possess everything, or I possess nothing. It, like he he's asking, He Man, is if being a hero is as lonely as being a villain.
1: Ah, there we go.
0: Yes, it's something to that effect. And he says it so like stavely. you know, because he didn't do that cackling. Ah. I am Skeletor, leader yeah. of Snake Mountain. You know, like lady, uh, uh, Alan Oppenheimer, who was the voice of Skeletor on the cartoon series at the time, yeah. uh, would do it. Which, uh, but uh, And I have a Skeletor figure right here next to me with uh, the full setup of Castle Grayskull. And they just, of course, announced that there is a Snake Mountain coming for the upcoming Origins line, which is the uh, redo of all the old He-Man toys with uh, a few slightly alterations done to them, like el- elbows and joints and stuff like that that's fun yeah and i have a full line of those toys sitting next to me with castle grayskull and, and a bunch of the uh the vehicles as well kind of running out of room so i can't <laughs> wait to get a snake mountain but uh there there's one last thing about master of the universe we'll, we'll definitely get into it more later on uh, is uh there there's this line where he man's like you said you let them live and Skelter goes i lied
1: <laughs> oh it's a, yeah that's stolen from commando i think
0: Yeah, so he definitely, Langella just chewed up the scenery of that movie. But moving on to another actor, this movie has big actors in it. The three biggest leads in it are probably, um, you know, Langella Lawrence of Olivier, uh, who had this weird disease that he was bleeding all the time. If you ever, like, you know, hurt him by mistake or he got hurt, he would just start bleeding.
1: Yeah, yeah, Sir Lawrence. Yeah, Sir Lawrence Olivier. Um, Yeah, true. Like, honestly, perhaps one of perhaps the most legendary the most legendary actor ever to come out of england at least to date um i mean he's he's best known he started in a ton of classic movies uh he's best known for his um shakespearean adaptations including henry v hamlet and richard the uh-huh. third um and he's also he's also in the um very influential thriller called rebecca he was in Wuthering Heights.
0: Um, he was in Carrie. Yeah, maybe briefly. Oh, maybe briefly. What? No, it says Olivia. Okay, it says Lawrence Olivia and, Je- and, and Jennifer Jones, and then oh. it, it, it's not Susie Spacek on the cover. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> a yeah, young girl un- from a pro- provincial town learns that bitter reality of a big city and great love.
1: Yeah, but he was he was a pretty famous, it, it, most pre- predominantly known as a stage actor. Um, he's also. One of the reasons I love Olivier is because all of the stories of every time he interacted with somebody who did method acting, um, (laughs) he hated it. One of the stories is that he basically, he hadn't really interacted with it much before. And then he made a movie with Marilyn Monroe and Monroe was attempting to do method acting. And it basically, you know, Monroe was going through enough in her life, but she basically couldn't seem to make it to set half the time because she wasn't in character. And he just hated that. (laughs) So... Cut to I think it's like 1972 or something like that, where he's doing uh Marathon Man, where he plays the villain, a very convincing one. Yeah, 1976. And uh Dustin Hoffman is running like up and down the set, just saying it's like it's like it's he it just says it's like he's running up and down the set. And then Lawrence Livica goes, So what are you doing that for? Like, what are you doing that? And Dustin Hoffman goes, he's like, oh, I'm just trying to, like, I'm trying to, I want to be exhausted. I want to be exhausted. Like, my character's going to be exhausted. And he goes, My dear boy, have you tried acting? <laughs> that's, that's Lawrence Olivier. I love it.
0: <laughs> Let's see. So, also, we have in this movie, hot off of um, being um, up until the 1970s, 60s. He was best known as Blofeld in the yes. James Bond movie, You Only Lived Twice, and he was also uh, the, in The Great Escape, also a really classically well-known movie at the time. But in 1978, he would reinvent himself as Dr. Loomis of Halloween fame, which is prominent right now as the time we're recording this. It's around Halloween time, and the new Halloween movie ends, has come out to rave box office reviews and critical smash it. Everyone's absolutely loved it.
1: Yes, there's there's been no controversy around it whatsoever. Do not.
0: No, nope. nope, none whatsoever. The Corey Cunningham story has been one of the best movies ever.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. And uh, yeah, Donald Pleasance. Uh, yeah,
0: plays Jack Seward.
1: Yeah, Jack Seward. Um, By the way,
0: Olivia plays Van Helsing. Fred. <laughs> yeah,
1: Olivia <laughs> plays Van <Ben> Helsing. <laughs> and yeah, Donald Pleasance. Yeah, as you said, probably best known for for playing Blofeld. Um, And another one of these just fantastic character actors, but then reinvented himself playing Dr. Loomis in Halloween. Six times,
0: seven, if you count the fact that they redid, uh, oh, no, uh, one, two, one, two, four, five, six, so five times, so five times, but six times if you also count the fact that Halloween six was done twice. Yes.
1: Yep, and then also appeared uh, in a couple other John Carpenter movies, so. Yeah, uh, like Prince of Darkness. Yeah, Prince of Darkness, and he's also the president in Escape from New York. Has to be rescued by Kurt Russell's Snake Plissken. Right. So, yeah, so he was. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's interesting again looking at his filmography because it's uh, like Olivier is known for a lot of classic, a lot of very a lot of period dramas. Langella is also a stage actor, but Pleasance is just of all of them seems to be the most up for anything. Like he was, he was in B movies. He was in, you know, like John Carpenter movies. He was all over the place. So I kind of, I kind of really enjoy it. <laughs> every now and then I look at careers and I'm like, what, what kind of career would I like? And I'm like, Prob- probably closer to Pleasance. I don't think I could, I would want to do Olivier so much.
0: Um, and then of course, um, before we move on to the rest of the cast, what film, what famous uh, disco movie had the director made prior to this?
1: Yeah, Saturday Night Fever is the one that uh, D- John McDonald uh, Batham uh, best is. well. That was his breakout movie. And uh, he. it's interesting because he's made a number of cult favorites. Uh, so Sat- Saturday Night Fever is probably the biggest one. Um, and then after that, we also have War Games he made in 1983. With uh, Matthew Broderick? With Matthew Broderick, that's right. In short circuit in 1986.
0: Wow. I didn't realize he was a director of short circuit until you just yeah. said that.
1: Yeah. He mostly, it's very interesting looking at his career because he mostly did like action comedies, uh-huh. uh, like a uh, stakeout, which is one with Richard Dreyfus and Emilio Estevez bird on a wire, which is Mel Gibson and Goldie Hawn. Imagine wow. that um, the hard way, which is James Woods and Michael J. Fox. Like it's, it's really weird. But I would say that probably the most underrated movie of his career. It's it's kind of a it's it's got a, it's got a decent uh, following to it. It's called Blue Thunder. It's like this uh, it's like this helicopter action movie with Roy
0: Schneider, and it's really good. <laughs> like because they did real helicopter stuff. <laughs> it's really cool. Moving on with the rest of the cast, I'm not very familiar with a lot of the rest of these cast members. Tate Nelligan was best known for films like Frankie and Johnny, The Cider House Rules, U.S. Marshals. And uh, as far as I'm aware, still alive today. She was also in Wolf. Maybe we can have her on the show. The other three actors, with the exception of Franklin Jello, which would be shocking if I could get Franklin Jello on the show, yeah. uh, have unfortunately passed away. John Batem, I believe, is still alive with us today. Uh, yes. Then did. we have Trevor Eve, who played Jonathan Harker. He was best known for Waking the Dead, a TV show that ran from 2000 to 2011. I'm not familiar with that one. Um, and he was Murdstone in David Copperfield based on the Charles Dickens story. Okay. Um, then we also have uh, Jan Francis who plays uh, Mina Van Helsing. So, in this, Mina is the daughter of Van Helsing. Van Helsing, as far as we were aware, in Dracula, had no daughter. How do I know so much about Dracula, Scott? I don't know. You should probably. I mean, did you write something? I did. Who did oh. I also hang out with it last Tuesday? <laughs> Could it possibly have been the great-grandnephew of the guy who created Dracula, Bram Stoker? Maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Also, said, the entire library of eight copies of Dracula, by the way, I own. Oh, wow. There you go. Do you know why I own eight copies? I actually don't. I don't know. <laughs> well, um, so just for an example, three of them are with illustrations by Edward Gorey, Ben Smith, and the Hubert Brothers. Oh, very nice. Yeah, and also next to me is a uh, Dracula Bela Lugosi Mego toy, as well as a uh, Christopher Lee Migo doll. Below that uh, is a Dracula uh, Marvel Comics. Very cool. Dracula currently is in the Marvel Comics cinema. Uh, well, maybe if Blade ever gets going. So in our previous podcast, we announced we are going to do Blade. We are not doing Blade later, later in 2023. They have delayed Blade until 2024.
1: Yeah. And I, I got I got that notification because I submitted my uh my my details to be an extra for scenes they were going to shoot in Cleveland.
0: Right. So also in this we have Tony Hagarth as Milo Renfield. This is the first time I've ever heard Renfield get a first name. But um uh, the only thing I know him from that I'm really gonna dive deep into his IMDB for is the fact that he was Mr. Tweety in Chicken Run. <laughs>
1: There you go. Um, I also just like that he is in a movie called Let's Get Laid from 1978.
0: Excellent, excellent. And I couldn't avoid uh, pass up the fact that uh, character Walter is played by Sylvester McCoy, best known as playing the Doctor on Doctor yes. Who.
1: Yes, and uh, those and uh, those of you uh, you know you you Lord Loader nerds and or your Tolkien nerds will know that he played uh, the wizard with poop on his head, Radgast, in the Hobbit movies.
0: Would that be Raggass the Brown?
1: Yes, that's correct.
0: Yep, uh, excellent role in that movie. I think he had the giant rabbits.
1: Yes, he did. Yeah, they were like his, uh, his like his, uh, like his huskies, like his husky dogs. Like that's like that was like his sleigh that he had. It was very cool.
0: Um, and for anyone who is a fan of Hellraiser, recently starring Jamie Clayton. Uh, the very, uh, talented Jamie Clayton plays the hell priestess pinhead in that movie. He, uh, Sylvester McCoy was also in sense eight with her as old man of Hoy. Oh, very cool. Yes. Which is where Jamie Clayton is probably best known for. Uh, besides, I think she was on the L word and, or I might be mistaken with another very heavy lesbian centered show, but she was the, uh, uh, she was the hacker. Let me tell you, Scott, how you're introduced to Jamie Clayton at the beginning of Sense8. Oh, I'm going
1: to guess it's very sexual.
0: (laughs) It's extraordinarily sexual as Agatha Freeman, best known playing Martha on The Doctor, is fucking her with a rainbow-colored strap-on.
1: There you go. And she takes
0: the strap-on off and just drops it on the side of the bed in this sound effect that you know they ADR that goes, schlock, (laughs) schlock.
1: see that's uh, you know that's that's commitment that's that's how you do a character introduction and then
0: the two are like frolicking it's like I think it's pride day so I think they're like like embracing the fact that they're both gay one's trans because her parents are not into her trans lifestyle (laughs) I guess they try to they they do some shit in this show that I was just like good god having uh, dated somebody who is trans uh, she she was just like yeah that that's a thing that happens (laughs) Uh, All right. anyway. Um, so we will dive more into the cast as it comes along with the characters that pop up, as well as other parts of the movie. So I thought we start off with the movie with the uh opening credits, are very much like James Bond. Um, in fact, I believe these are the same people who do the James Bond credits. Oh, yeah, it's very deep. Yeah. Um, uh, the Mish Corp. I don't know who they are. I wasn't really familiar with them.
1: <laughs> Can't say I, I am either, but yeah, no, they, they've
0: got their, they've got a very distinctive thing that they do. We have this long tracking shot, which is, would be done by a drone today, but I think this is being done by like a helicopter. Yeah, a probably a helicopter. So by the way, the Mursch corporation is Marvin Murrish. Mur- Murrish, He is the executive producer of, of well, as well as Walter Murish uh, brothers to uh, these films they also did the human jungle arrow in the heart romantic comedy the pink panther television series from 1993 to 1996 i believe they are both passed away yes died uh walt the mervyn died in 19 in 2002 at the age of 84 walter mersh was responsible for the original magnificent seven the remake of the magnificent seven the pink panther in 2022 i'm not familiar with the new pink panther coming out Uh, That Pink Panther short TV series I mentioned, but his credits go all the way back to 1947. Wow. Yep. And go all the way to 2022. He is still alive. According to IMDb, he is 101 years old. Goodness. Yes. Holy cow. The Heat of the Night, also a a movie that he produced. Oh, there you go. Very popular movie today. Uh, I think it's celebrating its 55th anniversary. Actually, it's back in theaters. The Heat of the Night. Oh, in the Heat of the Night, yeah. Am hard. I wrong? Is that the one with Sydney Poitier has a team up with the racist white cop? Yep, that's correct. Okay, yeah. So yeah, that is a uh, in the Deep South. Yep. Yeah, and that actually became a TV series too. Uh, it did. But uh, yeah, it's the yep. Yeah, it is the 55th anniversary of The Heat of the Night, and it is back in theaters now. Wow. Yeah. Go. So that producer was responsible for that. That's right. I remember hearing about this producer. He was really big on like wanting to like take chances with casts that weren't getting those kind of roles, and uh, was a big supporter of the fact that Sidney Poitier was cast, which I think led to Sidney Poitier's
1: Oscar win? No, he actually, it was actually the white cop that won the Oscar. Um, the, the movie won Best Picture, but Sidney Poitier, I believe, got an, I don't know if he got a nomination, but he eventually won for a movie called
0: Lilies of the Field. That's what it was. That's what it was. First African-American actor to win an Academy Award, correct? That is correct. Well, no, not the first... Act first male actor. First male actor. Okay. Yes. Um, this movie has obviously a lot of Academy Award attachments to it, or it's a Lawrence Olivier, but we've completely forgot, and we should get into it now because the bombastic score in this movie (laughs) is by what four to five time Academy Award winning producer uh uh, composer whose next movie comes out next year. Can you guess what movie he is the composer for?
1: Oh, I don't know, I
0: don't. Indiana Jones and the Untitled Fifth Film.
1: That's right, that's right.
0: Yes, but do you know what he just did this year?
1: No, I don't actually.
0: He was the, uh, he scored uh, the theme song for Obi-Wan Kenobi.
1: Oh, there you go, that's cool.
0: He did Obi-Wan Kenobi's theme song, not the entire show, but he did write and compose the score for Obi-Wan Kenobi. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, Prior to this, I think his last thing that he did was... I want to say it was solo. He did a song for solo. He did not do the whole score. But prior to this, the last thing, the full, the full film score he did was, of course, uh, the Rise of Skywalker.
1: Yes, yes. John Williams is the sound of the Star Wars movies, at least the music of the Star Wars movies. He's
0: the sound of the Indiana Jones films as well. Jaws, Superman. I mean, let's yeah, Superman. Of course. I mean, God. I mean, you can't think of Superman and not hear. Bah, 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 bah.
1: Yeah, he has he has such a distinctive style in terms of in terms of everything, but it's just it's staggering, honestly. He is legendary. And,
0: and I think um Jaws and this of the like really the old I guess Jurassic Park to some extent is considered a monster movie even though they're animals, but it's in the monster genre. It these are probably the only three films I could think of that he did horror scores for.
1: Yeah, he mostly he was better known for blockbusters. Um yep. And partially because he was always scoring movies <laughs> for Steven Spielberg, but oh, yeah, it's just also that's just his style. It's it is very bombastic. He's he's uh, unlike unlike other uh, other composers. He's somebody who seems to like to use the full orchestra. So it's a lot of very everything he makes sounds big. So that makes it makes sense.
0: <laughs> um, so then we get a boat and a rain and rats. And uh, the saturated color on my TV makes it look really gothic. Do you know what the name of the boat is, by the way? It's going to get its own movie, too. (laughs) Oh,
1: no, I don't remember the name of the
0: boat. Oh, The Demeter. Oh, okay, gotcha. And next year, we are going to get two Dracula movies starring. We're going to get two Dracula films, one of which is going to be from the perspective of Renfield. And that is going to be the one Nicolas Cage plays Dracula in.
1: Well finally he's be- Nick Cage has been beating around that bush for a while, so I'm glad he's finally doing it.
0: Right. And then we're also going to get um the lost the 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 cursed tale or the lost tale. I'm, at, I'm trying to look it up right now. David Dasmulchin, who plays Polka Dot Man in um in the um the Suicide Squad, and he's oh, the he's Yaga called, guy yeah. in Ant-Man. Um he is going to be in uh, Last Voyage of the Demeter. He's going to be Wojek. Uh, this comes out next year. This is the story of the Demeter's trip from Transylvania to England. Very cool. Yeah. Um, he's like second billing on the movie. So uh, behind, he's um, behind Alison Frosisi and Liam Cunningham, who you might know from uh, Game of Thrones, <laughs> uh, plays, uh, and uh, Javier Botet. I don't know who that is, actually. He plays Dracula in it. Huh. So, oh. should be interesting. Um, a, a Dracula tale we've never heard before. Yeah, I can't say I have either. No. So, the demeanor pretty much is the focus of these five minutes. Um, then we switch over to, uh, like, a, a coffin rips open, and it's Dracula's hand, and he immediately turns into a wolf, and then rips out the throat of some guy, and that's when we immediately meet our first... Character, I guess we technically meet Dracula, but we don't meet Frank Langella.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. We don't really meet him. And it's it's pretty noteworthy that they're trying to cast his coffin off of the boat. Like, right. they piece together, together enough to know, like, we got to get this shit out of here because um, we're about to go aground and this this guy's going to kill us. <laughs> so uh, it doesn't work, though, sadly.
0: Um, <laughs> but Jack Stewart, played by Donald Pleasants, is the father of... Lucy? <laughs> Scott, are you a literate man? Do you know anything about Dracula? I can't
1: I can't say that I know too much about the original story now. All right,
0: let me let me break out a copy of the novel and I'll read I'll read it to you. So just just for an FYI everybody, Jack Seward in the novel and subsequent adaptations, um, is most of the time a not the father of Lucy and not the father of Mina, because he sometimes is the father of Mina. Jack Stewart is one of the, um, what did they call back then? Suitors to, to to marry Lucy. Okay, got it. Okay. Okay, Mina is with Jonathan Harker. Gotcha. To marry Jonathan Harker, but is stolen away by Dracula. And in fact, in Dracula the Undead, Mina is part of the plot to uh, help Dracula's resurrection. Oh, that's cool. Yes, this is the one that is the sequel by, Dakar Stoker. Um, so, Jack Stewart, Quincy Morris, and Arthur Homewood are all suitors to Miss Lucy, and Arthur Holmwood wins her hand, and they are wed. And then Dracula kills her, and Van Helsing comes along and has to like you know show them that what happened to Lucy is what happened to Lucy. Best portrayed probably in the uh, the Gary Oldman film in nineteen ninety two very nice jack stewart in i think the lugosi movie is also portrayed as mina's father all right cool they didn't think mina's name had a lot of weight to it so they made lucy more of the female-centered main character but um that that's why we kind of get that <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um <laughs> whatever they like to do jack stewart in the horror of dracula which is the uh the first of the christopher lee films anyway so people are acting crazy and running around and jack is trying to take control of the situation and he's calling out where miss lucy is and that ends our five minutes (laughs) there you go do you have any other notes about these five minutes no i mean it's all pretty it's all pretty
1: straightforward it's mostly credits and uh that that big that big shot (laughs) um that big uh, you know tracking shot starting at the edge of the water and working its way over
0: there is, again, I'm, what I have in my hand, by the way, is the copy of Dracula illustrated by Greg Hildebrandt. I said Hubert. I, I'm sorry. I meant uh, illustrated by Greg Hildebrandt, story by Bram Stoker. This is the copy, by the way, used in um, a couple props uh, for films in the 1980s, such as Fright Night Part Two. Oh, very nice. Yeah, and there are over 50 illustrations, I believe, in here of uh, Dracula by... The uh, the Hildebr by Greg Hildebrand, who would go on to great comic book uh, 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 acclaim later on. It's the full novel of Dracula, but with all of the amazing artwork by the Hildebrand brothers, or at least Greg. Very nice. Yeah, Um, I absolutely love it. It's incredibly beautiful. I do have, by the way, the the Bram Stoker version with Edward Gorey's artwork is currently back in stock at Barnes and Noble. It's usually been a Barnes and Noble exclusive, but I also have a paper dollhouse theater that you put on a rotating table and turns around with the three different most important scenes from dracula fully illustrated by the late great edward gory very nice in massachusetts you can come up here and see uh the edward gory house which has been turned into a museum with an entire display case of dracula 1979 as well as the novel i spoke of the, the stage play with frank langella Did you know who also played um dracula I think he either subs- he succeeded Franklin Jella or he came before Franklin Jella. What act? What famous Latino actor? Oh, I don't know off the top of my head, actually. Raúl Juliet. Oh, Raúl Juliá. Okay, yeah, yeah, yes. He either came before or after Franklin Jella in that stage production. There you go, and would yeah. go on to
1: play Gomez Adams.
0: He would go on to play Gomez Adams, and he would also play M Bison, of course. <laughs> Did you ever see that that movie Brain Drain or whatever it was? It was it was on Mystery Science Theater 3000 that he was in?
1: I mean, I can't say I have, but Raul Julia never gave
0: anything less than 100%. Uh, uh, yes, of course, of course. That's all the time we have here for these five minutes. We go over a lot of material for the film itself, so we'll continue going over that as we continue this movie. This is probably going to be one of our longest movies. This movie clocks in at about an hour and 50 minutes, so um but both versions that you watch of it scott's watching it in color and i'm watching a monotone uh kind of grayish color is uh the the film the both versions on the screen factory blu-ray by the way are approximately uh, it says 110 minutes so that is about an hour and 50 minutes um and i will go over some of the bonus material in the blu-ray and the other releases of the film um in another episode scott where can people find us
1: well you can find us at the vampire minute on twitter and we're the vampire movie minute on facebook
0: cool and don't forget you can also pick up my copy of vlada a dracula tale and the newest novel uh connected to it vlada tales of the damned which has six individual stories about six of the characters in the vlada universe such as renfield vlada colleen you have to find out we have to read my novel to find out who she is van helsing um and uh the grooms of dracula and quincy quintessa morris the cowgirl from texas No, very cool. And we'll be back in a couple weeks with another five minutes of Dracula 1979 here on the Vampire Movie Minute Podcast.